Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Rewind podcast, episode number 12 today. And uh, today we're back again with another very famous rugby guest after our first rugby guest, Lockie Munro. Today we've got someone of uh, equal calibre, someone who's literally done it all. Um, He's played for three super rugby teams, three provincial teams in New Zealand, three British teams, a Japanese team. He's done it all. Today we are joined by uh, a very uh, famous name. You might have seen him on uh, on Sky Sports recently, being a, a commentator or a panelist. Well, Dan just a general Bowden. model, really, isn't it? Yeah, oh. General model. Dan <laughs> Bowden with us. How are we? Thank you for having me. Oh, no, yeah, cheers for coming on, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, tell us. You've you've obviously played. Uh, a lot of, at a lot of clubs. Um, we we're just looking at your Wikipedia. I'm assuming it's accurate, but it seems to be accurate. Um, <laughs> Jeez, I've confirmed that much in. It's not yeah. a Ross Howden has level, but it's, I mean, it's not far off, off far, though, to be fair. Look, yeah, I've played a lot of footy around the world, actually. Um, I played in Italy too once, which is probably not on there. Um, for an Italian club, so I don't know, it's probably like 12, 11. I can't remember there's that many. Yeah, oh, I think we've got. I think Palmer. So you see, there was. Yeah, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah if it's on there, yeah, Palmer. Um, yeah, Yamaha. So I've been fortunate enough to sort of travel the world, and rugby's been a pretty good vehicle, to be honest. So no complaints yeah. from me. I mean, you've and done a bit of in... back and forth too. I was going to say, you just kind of started in New Zealand, went over, came yeah. back. Is there any sort of reason you didn't really settle yeah, yeah, on one was. or the other? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I, I guess. Well, to me, it was at the time. Um, so. Now, when I was playing first playing Super Rugby, I'd be on this like uh, phone call with Graham Henry and Wayne Smith basically every fortnight. They'd be giving me feedback on my game and all this. And then they sort of let me know I wasn't going to be basically in contention for the 2011 World Cup because obviously at the time there's a few more Premier 10s running around. Um, I just played sort of three years of Super or four years of Super, if I include the first year of the Blues. Um, and then I had a British passport. So I was like, right, we'll head overseas. Uh, my f- fiancé... Um, we wanted to go and play sort of, I want to play rugby and she played pro football over for Chelsea. So we sort of want to be in the UK and do that sort of stuff. Um, we were supposed to come back after two years. We stayed there for like six years. Um, and we did come back and forth. And the main reason coming back and forth was I keep trying to get into the World Cup side for the All Blacks. So... That's why we came back in 2015. I'd spoken to the ends out of you about trying to come back and give it another crack, and they were really supportive. I came back to the Blues, and that was just a, a shambles of a season. We won, like, five games, I think. And oh, that's JK got, five more than many of the Blues sides. JK got the sack. That was a tough period, eh, in that sort of yeah. four or five years for the Blues. Um, and then I went back again, back to Bath. and So I've sort of been all over, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, have you had any kind of – obviously, it's hard to pick favourites, but – I know there's a few fans who adored you at their oh, club. Yeah, mate, I don't know. Wait, let's probably. I reckon. I reckon I probably played my maybe the bitter part of my rugby career up in the UK. Yeah, maybe. I was going to say Leicester. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Irish. I won Player of the Year a couple of times and oh, nice. Team of the Year and all these other sort of awards. So it was like that part was pretty cool. Um, I really enjoyed the Crusaders, mate. If I'm honest, I spent a year at the Crusaders and it was phenomenal. We lost the. Final, semi-final, um, and I was basically one of the only non-All Blacks in the starting lineup. Yeah, um, must be crazy walking into the changing yeah, room team. team mate. Um, then, yeah, Leicester was pretty awesome. We won the Premiership, which was pretty cool. Um, some world-class players all assembled in one team. We basically had internationals in every team. Oh, I think, again, I was the only non 
international that started. Um, mate, everything was different. Eh? The Hollanders was cool because a bit of a ragtag, like almost like that movie The Replacements for 2008. We were just like a group chucked together out of sort of everywhere, like the leftovers as such. Um, and we went all right. Well, I think we sort of came mid-table and we tipped up a few teams and it was a hell of a lot of fun. Lots of um, good blokes, like real good blokes. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. definitely uh, even some of the commentary lines, they didn't quite know who was staying around, who was just on loan. They were just a bit unsure yeah, what was, was going honestly, on down there. And when we first arrived, we all lived in this like apartment block. So there was like six or eight of us all lived in this one like apartment block. So it was just like mayhem. It would have been um, chaos. Yeah, it was chaos as a young professional in the city of Dunedin at like 20, 20 years old, I think. It was an eye opener. I'm sure a few Dobros were uh, sunk in that household. <laughs> yeah, there were a few Dobros. The Octagon was a good place to go in those days, so I don't know what it's like anymore, but they were fun times. Now, I was going to say, um, you've played a lot of rugby at a lot of places, so if we take the rugby out of it, what's your favourite uh, favorite city to have lived in? Because, you know, we're both oh. from Dunedin, so, well, we yeah. both lived in Dunedin, so it's oh. a great shout. That's a great, that's a great. I'll I tell you the best city to live in, this makes me sound old, but it's an amazing place, is Bath. Bath is an incredible place. Yeah, I've heard that actually. Very historic. Oh, it's yeah. like it's yeah, pretty posh to be fair, but yeah. um, a lot of money and it's very affluent. But the, yeah. it's just beautiful. Like it's just like a it's a Roman but like city, if you know what I mean. Like there's um, infrastructure is um, they've combined a whole lot of old with the new and sort of kept that um, yesteryear feel to it. Makes me sound like I've been watching Roadshow Antiques, but <laughs> it's um, it is a wonderful city to be honest. The UK was incredible places to live because so easy to travel. Um, oh, yeah. I mate, every time we had a weekend off, if you if you played a lot of footy and you're in the starting sort of main group, when we played like that, what was called the LV Cup or the Anglo Welsh Cup, um, that they don't play much anymore. Um, we just have weeks off, so we just go and spend like thirty or forty pounds to fly to like Venice or Rome or well, Paris. Yeah, or that makes Portugal. me jealous. It was incredible. It'd be like on Ryanair. They'd be like yeah. washing as many cattle as they can into the sun. Oh, survive those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But unreal experiences, though. To be honest, that's what I love about Europe. You can just you can just go anywhere in three hours, and you Spain, France, anywhere. You know. Yeah, no, it was it was incredible. Especially like New Zealand. We love New Zealand, but we are isolated. Let's be honest. Yeah, so yeah, the travel yeah. aspect of being in the UK was was incredible. Yeah, definitely. You took the right the time to have your career. Was that too? It would be a bit different if you playing nowadays, I'd imagine. Yeah, it would be yeah. a tough stretch, wouldn't it? Yeah, you language barriers area, uh, language barriers ever an issue? Not that you played at a whole host um, of international sites, but oh, when I was in Italy, um, everyone I felt honestly everyone wanted to speak English. That was bizarre. So most of our calls were a sort of mixture between Italian and English. Um, and like I was young as then, I was like maybe nineteen. Um, so that was an amazing time to travel at nineteen again, like seeing different sites and parts of the world. Was awesome, Japan. No, mate, you just try to speak as much Japanese as you can. And we had a pretty good translator, and I had like seven or eight foreign boys with us, so it was no, it was no issue. Nice, yeah, good stuff. All right, well, um, we were going to talk about a game today, if we, if you want to. Uh, we've got a a bit of a classic lined up from two thousand and eight Super Rugby when you're playing for the Highlanders. Um, Couple of years first before season, you season, were... I believe at Super Rugby. Yeah, first right. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, I actually was with the Blues in 20, 2006. Oh, I just well, didn't play. Yeah, it's it's not. 
I just okay. didn't play. So you know how like in those days, well now say for example, they put out a team list, right? And they'll say it'd be like 40 names. Because you know how you've got like guys who are trying draft contracts or full contracts? Yeah. So I was on a draft contract then, but when it was named, um, like it was sort of split then. So they named basically the top side, but they wouldn't name those who are on draft because the word draft was meant to be like as a part of a drafted player. It just became now it's used as a draft contract as in it's not a full yeah, okay. contract. So I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. But yeah, I actually spent 2006 with the Blues, played all the preseasons, um, but just didn't get a minute during the season. Okay. Well, Interesting. Well, really a bit of a shame, actually. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah oh, mate, I learned a lot. Like, we had debts. Like, I was the Blues side school. of that era was... I was fishing I was rubbing shoulders with like Doug Howlett, who he came to like present an award at our assembly like the year before. And I was like, oh my God, this is unreal. Crazy. Um, that would be fun in training, trying to deal with them. Oh, mate, it was incredible. We had Joe Rocks. We had, like, everyone you can imagine, um, like, all those All Blacks just getting ready for that 20, 2007 World Cup, realistically. Um, and, mate, the coaches were David Nusifora and Joe Schmidt. Oh, uh, that's an Like, mate, honestly, come out of first 15 training twice a week into a Blues environment like that, it was a heck of a – I no, to be honest, like I, I, I learned so much inside like weeks, let alone months. Yeah, well, okay. I was going to say, um, old Lockie, he kind of had similar sense and was in the team, but his debut came a bit less traditionally than most. I was going to ask if you had any crazy stories about your kind of first appearances, or was yours kind of your stock standard going to the team match day? No, nah, nah, mine were pretty normal. To be fair, I was always like young playing, like if that makes sense. So I sort of played pro footy first year out of school, obviously NPC and Super, so that was probably the biggest shock, but I didn't get any like surprise you're playing type scenarios. Um, I, my very first ever first-class game was from Northland against Tim's Valley on like a Wednesday night. Oh, that was – That, that is peak that, that Yeah, that was crazy. It was because like I'm pretty sure they wanted it to be a first-class game for a number of reasons, but – I think one of them was to get one of these blokes playing for either Northland or Tins Valley at the time to get close to 100. So it was like a legit first-class game. Only 23 players got our first tie presented. But, yeah, bizarre. To be playing a first-class game at night on a Wednesday was um, was unusual. Yeah, not a bad way to ease into things, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was actually all right, to be fair. I remember there was like a legend from Tins Valley playing um, at first five against me. Oh, he's like a real good bloke. He was real nice. Always came up after the game and said hello and well done. All that sort of shit. But I can't remember who he was. He was a legend. Could have had a wee jersey swap in there. Is that yeah, ever a thing yeah. that you do? Yeah, yeah. But, mate, those jerseys are like those thick cotton ones, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. That makes me sound old, eh? Shit, that's a long time ago. <laughs> this game did, did remind <laughs> me of those thick cotton jerseys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you said it, not us. <laughs> this, this, this must have been the last year of that, 2008, surely. Because I'm pretty sure it wasn't wasn't far after. Oh, this. sorry, no. I was talking that that, that Northland stuff was like 2005, mate. Yes. That, by 2008, that was just normal Adidas Super Footy jerseys. They were all good. Yeah, yeah I noticed in this in this particular game they were a bit baggy, weren't they, Ben? And the oh, versus... they're a little bit tighter. Maybe I think everyone was just not as defined, so it didn't look as good, to be honest. I mean, I love the jerseys from that era. I reckon they're just an <laughs> yeah, iconic one. Same sort of template for all the sides, yeah, just change the colours. Did the awesome one I reckon that came out was 2009, maybe for the Hollanders. We, there was a, a maroon. Oh, bring that back. That, that was actually awesome. We only ever wore it, obviously, as a, an away strip. But um, we had a couple of screamer games in them. I think we might have worn it. 
when we dusted up the Bulls in like 2009, the Bulls were phenomenal. I think they went on to one, uh, win it. Yeah, well, they yeah, won. They we played them yeah. at Palmerston North and we were like outrageously good. We won more like 40 points. That, that was another epic. Hell, I can remember just off the top of my head. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, certainly had a few uh, games at the other end of the tail. I know you mentioned one or two. One against yeah. the Brumbies in particular, you said you were going to bring up. So yeah. I'll ask you about that one because, now. Like, um, because I learned a heck of a lot in that game. We were leading by like 25, 30 points. This was against like an absolute like star-studded Brumbies team with Mortlock and uh, Mark Gerrard. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. It's a name we've talked about a bit. Maybe like they were phenomenal. Rocky Alson, like this was a stacked Brumbies team, and we're up by like 25, 30 points. And I was loving it because in the first half, I scored like my career best F solo trials, like a chip and chase from like our own twenty-two. Oh yeah, I think I've seen. Yeah, yeah so then I was just probably like standing there adoring my own play for the next like sixty minutes. <laughs> anyway, I remember that um, they came all the way back and they literally won at the last minute with a drop goal from Christian Lilifano. Like the most random drop goal you would have seen. It was like a running drop goal off the top of a line out, and he just smacked it over from like forty minutes, forty minutes, and we were just standing there like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like because we're in the lead for so long, you know. Some of Stan's Cotter vibes, just drop kicking from anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be fair, uh, they were a good side, um, some good players. So crazy memories, though. Like I also remember we, the, even though we beat the Bulls um, that 2009 year, that one I was talking about. In 2008, we played them in Pretoria, and if anyone had ever been to Pretoria, um, Loftus first felt was like an incredible atmosphere. Yeah. You're just getting booed by like 40,000 people, and this is when. People forget, like, Super Rugby for a period of time was huge. Like, in South Africa, you'd get enormous crowds, thirty to 40,000 people. Uh, and we played, as I say, the Bulls there were at their peak. And I'm talking, like, absolute peak. It was like um, – oh, shucks, I forgot his name now, the halfback. Oh, Fru Dupree. It was like Fru Dupree, Mornay Stain, Jaco Pretorius, uh, Wayne and Olafair, Habana, Indan Ghani. Like, like, just absolutely <laughs> fully loaded team. You know what I mean? Like – Danny Risso, Bucky's both are Victor Mitfield, um, like just phenomenal teams, you know. And anyway, yeah. um, I just remember we were running out, and then like they had these horn things, like the fan, the fans would have like this giant horn, like trumpet things, almost like the Vuvuzelas like, from the World Cup, yeah, almost like the Vuvuzelas. <laughs> but I tell you about that in a second in 2010. You know, they were like blowing stuff at it, but there was a bloke that was like leaning over the edge of like the players' tunnel as you run out, and he's like blowing the horns real loud. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that it was accidental. But as we're running out, he like blew it. All the spit like came out onto like a few of the boys and myself in it. And we all like panicked and we're like, what the hell is going on here? But we just thought he did it on purpose. So then we had a couple of angry um, young men trying to see if they could scrap the bloke in the crowd, which was always interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say like in this game, um, Nisbo mentions that the the crowd sizes were about 30, 35,000 at one of the Blues games. And so it certainly was um, a lot larger than what it would be well, today with COVID, I guess. But even before COVID, 2018, 2019, the crowd sizes just haven't been at that point ever since, really, have they? No. Nah, and look, there's probably a million reasons why, but uh, it's it's just quite it's quite surreal. Like I think back, um, like that game there, Crusaders Blues, huge. Uh, sorry, Crusaders Holland is the one that I might take a look at. I remember playing a couple of games for the Crusaders at the old – um, Jade Stadium. We played a semi-final. It might have been like it was like a game to get into the semi-finals against the Brumbies. Would have been close to forty thousand. 
Um, yeah. like, and again, that was ghetto and these boys running around. And I just remember like the atmosphere. Um, I don't think I've had that atmosphere in New Zealand really since, except for, because um, I mean, the Blues have been too many finals. A couple of years ago, when COVID restarted, you remember they played the Canes at, or they played the Canes oh, at yeah. Park, right? Was that, that was Fody's so, yeah. first game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because didn't Dan Cole score and grab him into yeah, the middle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, mate, that's probably the closest I reckon to an atmosphere from, like, say, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, those first few games after COVID, kind of, well, after they restarted after COVID, were unreal. The they crowds. were, they were. They were awesome. Um, obviously, stadiums are a bit smaller too, you know, like the the whole one in Orange Theory or whatever it is in Canterbury is not as big as, you know, yeah. you see the Jade Stadium, 45,000 relatively easily, you know? Yeah, it was way bigger. Did you have um, a favourite stadium to run around at? Oh, that's a great shout. Um, Forsyth Bar, surely. No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> no, mate, I don't ever want a game at Forsyth Park. Carisbrook was freezing, eh, to be honest. Like, good for us because we'd win, but the opposition obviously hated it. Um, going to play the Stormers in Newlands, Cape Town, that was an incredible experience because New Zealand sides were heavily supported there. I don't know if you know the story, but um, Cape Town really strongly supports like New Zealand-based sides, particularly the Crusaders. So that was quite a un- unusual story. Uh, situation coming out onto the field and playing, like getting cheered as well as booed. That was bizarre. Um, but if I'm honest, the best home stadium I, I reckon that I've ever played in, and this is probably going to cut all the rest of the people, that, none of them that are listening, um, Leicester Tigers home stadium is awesome and it sells out every single week. Yeah, but I've so, seen videos of that. Um, yeah. Like it still had the same entrance song. It's called Smoke on the Water, um, which I'm sure if you play it, you'll, you'll realise that. It's got yeah. like a really particular beat. Um, and it plays, and the crowd stomps their feet, and then you walk up from like a tunnel. It's like stairs. You have to, you have to walk slowly down these stairs because it's the only way you can out onto the field. So it just like magnifies the the atmosphere. Yeah, those it's British so stadiums crazy. are really like intimate, and, and the in goals are quite small as well, aren't they? Like, yeah, they are, mate. Like, there's a million crazy stadiums over there. Like, I, I played games in that many weird places. Like, I played a game for. Leicester, we played a preseason game against Montpellier in Switzerland. They're like one of the, like for no reason, <laughs> the fly to Switzerland to play a preseason game. I've played like um, Paris, obviously, Twickenham is pretty awesome, Millennium Stadium. Well, like some incredible places to play rugby. You sort of forget that um, you're doing it at the time, and then you look back and you're like, well, and I watch TV with my son, I'm like, oh, have, have you played there? And I'm like, yeah, I've played there. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Yeah, oh, you've certainly, certainly done it all. Oh, well, um, this game from 2008 then, um, which, yeah, was your first, I guess, first cap for the your first season where you got a cap for the Super Rugby. Um, Highlanders versus Crusaders in Christchurch before that, you know, they were still doing a stand-up at this point. So one of the half of the stadium was gone pretty much. There was cranes and whatnot still trying to build that um, second stadium stand. But a couple of years later, it would be demolished again um, after the earthquake. So um, yeah, so this was a pretty a pretty good game, and I mean, I think it was one of the ones that you recommended, was it? Me? Oh no, no, I'm I checked it for what I was doing. Gonna say, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, mate, it was a great game. Um, or for for us at the time, I think I was saying, Holland is we actually had like we won back to back years against the Crusaders. So to be fair to them, I think they had one eye in the semi final the week later. 
Um, oh, yeah, the commentators definitely made sure that was yeah they a did point. they did. But, um, for us, it was a huge deal because I think it got us up to like maybe sixth or seventh in the table, so relatively okay season if you know what I mean. Um, it's pretty good for them. Right. Yeah, fun yeah. game though, obviously because it it, um, it it just highlighted that like we actually weren't that bad. We just we yeah, were not. Once you could put it together, you were yeah. But um, no, it's a lot more. Uh... Um, I remember Johnny Liu and Neva Tuaso who played were playing the midfield. They actually had. Very strong games, um, punching holes through. I think Stevie Brett was playing too well, so I love to remind him about that. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and Dan Carter, obviously, which was pretty cool because my family, uh, a lot of my family are in question to the time, and all they wanted to do was basically take a photo of Dan Carter, so that was pretty sad to me. <laughs> take a photo of you putting a head on him, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I tried to find one of me probably holding onto his bootlace or something. Well, I mean, talking about slicing through gaps. I mean, you, yourself, you were slicing through quite a few gaps in this game. It was, it was a goody. Yeah, and, it was uh, not too bad. I tried to just run hard at the line and try and get through. I remember making a couple of breaks and offloading to little Smeagol, um, Toby Mullen. Yeah, yeah you two linked up pretty well to be fair. Yeah, yeah, he's a champion bloke. Actually, he was one of the greats, um, Smeagol. He had that many nicknames. eh? like he had Wee Man, Weeness. Um, you remember Wee Man out of, out of, out of Jackass? It was, oh, yep. yeah, that, um, yeah, Smeagol. That was a bit harsh, but yeah, he had a few. Um, but he was a bloody good halfback. And he always ran a really good support line, so I knew he'd sort of be back on the inside. I mean, you've touched on a few of the names there. I think maybe that'll just bring us on to we'll chat through the lineups and Go for it. say any of your memories about any of these blokes along the way. Go through the landers <laughs> yeah, first. Sure. I'm sure you got some uh, stories to tell. So uh, in the front row, you had... Good old Chris King, David Hall, and Clint Newland. A couple brick shit houses amongst that lot. Yeah, some big boys, eh? Um, Chris King, oh yeah, he's a very he was a very good rugby player. He played rugby for a hell of a long time. He even came yeah. back to the Crusaders like a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, he was class. They, um, I always remember the first time I seen Clint Newland because I'd seen on TV they knocked out Nemea Tialara. Yeah, I remember that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Never, first time I come into the room, I was just thinking, oh, here we go. Like, Don't want to get on the wrong side of the sky. Yeah, exactly, because he was a huge man. Eh? Uh, but he was, he was a bloody good bloke to the, to the, to the teammates in that. He was just, you always wanted him on your side. I just stayed clear of him once he'd had like seven or eight beers. That was probably the thing. <laughs> Right, and then in the locking partnership, yeah, actually one of my favourite locking partnerships of Highlanders history, probably Hayden Triggs and Tom Donnelly. Just, oh, God, yeah, they are just good men. Sash, I played a fair bit of rugby with um, for the Hondas and Otago, and same with Trigger, Hayden Triggs. He ended up playing for basically everyone in the world. You think I played for teams? Yeah. He, played for, he played for a million teams, but he just kept getting picked because he was so reliable and champion people again, too. Sash is still running around coaching and I think Trigger's back in Palmy, but they were good blokes and they just always supplied us with a good lineup, or to be fair. I mean, the haircuts Triggs has gone through in his career as well. Like, he went from <laughs> the mullet and Landers days to the old shiny dome and seedy mustache. He also had like a mullet with like dreads at one stage. That was next level. It was like before Joe Weber got into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. And then the old loose trio, yeah. Oh, Highland just threw through. Adam Thompson, Tim Boys, and uh, Craig Newby. Yeah, like they obviously two All Blacks. Like that year, Tomo went on to be in the All Blacks, I think. Um, I lived with him, uh, which was a hell of a story. I don't know how R18 the podcast is, but oh, I just remember living with him. As far as you them. want, mate. And um, I, li- I literally lived with him, and he was winning on the field and off the field. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he was. Um, 
he was getting around a fair bit um, to places around town and people were frequently visiting our house. Yeah, make sure you had some noise-cancelling earphones. <laughs> yeah, a champion human again, um, Tomo. So I uh, played really well. Boise, one of the greats, just obviously hard as nails. Um, played really well in you and was very close to being all black once. So oh, like, yeah. really, like really, really close. And very then yeah. Noobs was a bit of a legend, to be honest, a bit of Islanders legend. I even went up to the UK, played with him at Leicester. Uh, lived with them, yeah. I've got a hell of a story. Remind me about them at the back end around yeah. uh, um, the 2008, or oh, it might have been 2009, the court session that um, Hubes had organised and the antics that followed were, were sensational. I definitely want to hear about that because I'm sure <laughs> there are some yarns there. Because yeah. Newby would have been at Leicester at that time, they had the shootout as well, I think. I don't remember watching that uh, back. He, 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 he took a shot. That was something. People don't realise, but all the time when we kicked goals like a captain's run or like pre-game there, I swear to God, noobs would come up. He had this real awkward style because, you know, most people put their arm up like across their body. It's called like a rodeo arm. He used to tuck his arm in, right? Like it was real awkward. That's how I always remembered it. But I swear to God, he could kick just as good as any of the backs. I swear. You mean if you and old Delaney went down with injury, would you back him to step up? Yeah, I honestly would. Like honestly, like, I've seen him kick goals from halfway at Carisbrook. Like I swear, like Captain's Run, he just banged them over for fun. Wow. Yeah, so well, I always was... wondered if the Fords are doing that and trying. Yeah, they do. It happens they do, at schoolboy level. So. It does happen at pro level. It's always the props too, and then they always get growled off because it looks like they're going to pull a hammy or something. Did Chrissy King have a, any ever have any shots? Nah, he didn't. <laughs> but he liked to try and set up like a spiral bomb. But I think it was more unintentional than spiral. But uh, yeah, he had the world's biggest fingers. That's why he could barely touch the ball. Oh, far out! Right, right. And then in the halves, I mean, you had uh, yourself and as you mentioned, Toby Moreland. There was a few options there, though. You kind of had Mike Delaney in the squad at this time, James Wilson. Of course, Jimmy Cowan as well, sir. Yeah, yeah, I think Jimmy was on the bench for this game for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. He played most of the footy that year, to be honest. Um, Molly, Mike Delaney had a couple of games here and there. I mainly played 10 the first year. Um, my second year for them, I sort of played the first half at 10 and then the second half at 12 because Matt Brickless came. Um, yeah, James Wilson played a little bit. played a little bit of 15. He didn't play too much. Um, but again, champion rooster, only just retired. He was playing rugby flight yeah. forever. Yeah, um, he's great. He's way older than he looks because it's because he goes sunbeds and he gets all his facials <laughs> done and whatnot. But he's almost 40, I think. Tell you what, some of your uh, fans were saying that's a rich comment from you with some <laughs> of the coins you got coming in. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's a lie, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, right, uh, in the midfield, you mentioned you yeah, had Johnny Loder and Neva Taosa, so a couple of big boys in there. They were good, mate. Like, Johnny Liotta was a very underrated super rugby player, I feel. He went up and played a long time up for South Sharks, South Sharks in Manchester, so played against him a lot, which wasn't fun. Um, it's good to have on your side, like deceptively quick and really good footwork for someone his size. And Neva, um, I don't know, we didn't really get the, probably the best out of Neva. Like, he was class. A couple of years before he played for the Junior All Blacks, which people sort of forget. He played for counties and absolutely ripped it up in the NPC and then come down to the Highlanders. And I don't know, we probably didn't get as much as well. He went to the Chiefs like a year later, I think, and, and played really well. Yeah, I mean, my main memories of the guy come from good old rugby 08. Running around with the chief side on World League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a classy yeah, player. He was, mate. He was powerful. He had huge hips. He'd bump off most people. Did I mean, on the opposite end of the power spectrum, but certainly someone just as exciting, was uh, Fiduvina Cola. <laughs> had a few Islander wingers around this time. I mean, Wakase Duwadu, Muli Polar as well. Yeah, yeah. We had Fitu lucky, was um, something special. Fitu was a hell of a kid. So I've known Fitu a very long time. We lived together, um, spent a bit of time together for Northland. 
Uh, we played some club rugby together from Northland, then down to uh, Hollanders. I played for Otago in there, then he moved down to play for Otago. So um, special, special person. Real, real unique ability to galvanise a group in terms of um, just be hilarious and entertain people. But he could score tries for fun. We played in the club game. He scored nine tries. No, ten tries. It was Jeez. a... Like the rugby almanac, like a record, like a senior club record, I think, for New Zealand. He scored 10 tries in like a premier game. Wow. Um, six at, six and one half. Um, he, was just, he was just so fast, mate. He was freak. He had um, absolute, like, feet for hands. But if he caught the ball, he would score. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, he, he couldn't a few players like, that come to mind that. Yeah, yeah that he could take a little of... girl, but if you ran anywhere near him, he'd probably shoulder charge you and send you into like row six. He's a legend of a bloke. Absolutely, oh, love that. What a great way to sum up the guy. I mean, you never <laughs> wanted to take it. Yeah, you never wanted to take a book out of uh, his and take the bright orange boots on. No, he was oh, a fan of that. No, I did. Well, I did for a couple of times, but when I was when I was still finding my feet, I tried to underplay it a bit. That came a bit later. <laughs> I mean, if you're running the tin jersey with some bright boots, you know something's coming your way. So. Yeah, it came a little later. I had to build myself up to it. <laughs> right On the other wing, you had Paul Williams, like very versatile, covered a lot of positions. Yeah, Another very strong. Like, that's a hell of a – you should probably have a yarn to him, if I'm honest. His story is phenomenal. I don't know if you know much about it. I'll summarise it in 20 seconds. He was basically picked out of Super Rugby out of playing for Auckland B, like as in the provincial B team. He played, um, he got picked for the Hollanders, played a game, made like these three line breaks as like a 19-year-old playing for the Hollanders, broke his leg real bad, really bad, like two or three places, took like four or five years to recover. He was with Canterbury for years and then sort of took ages to get back. And then he came to play for the Hollanders and he absolutely carved. And then 2008, 2009, he was exceptional and got into the All Black squad, sat on the bench, but didn't get on the field. Oh, I never realised that. Yeah, so this, just... He's got a hell of a story. And then ended up playing for Samoa and going to World Cups and captaining them, playing for like Stade Francais and all these teams in Europe. And now he still lives in France and he sells pies. <laughs> That's a hell yeah, of a usual transition after rugby, isn't it? Going to <laughs> pie but honestly, one of the greats, one of the best people, best team team men I've ever I've ever seen. I love that. I definitely have to see if we can get him on the pod. Yeah, try to get him on. He's a busy man. I mean, yeah, the pie selling business doesn't run itself, does it? <laughs> right. Then at our fullback to round out the starting fifteen, you had Mike Delaney, bloke who played a bit of ten, but had the fifteen jersey this time. You yeah, he did. He did. Um, we sort of played a little bit um, there. He played for the Hollanders a little bit, and then he went to the Chiefs. Um, even got an All Black game, I think, like two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah cap against Italy. For, um, he played a really good NPC campaign for the Bay one year. And, it was off like a, a tour off that, and he played really well. He's a champion bloke again. I bumped into him at the petrol station at Christmas, actually. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's another fan favourite, actually, of Mike Delaney. Mm. Yeah, they loved him, mate. Those boys down there, big, big fans. You've got to be the Crusaders, Crusaders well. yeah. Yeah. He did, mate. But it's hard case because there's all these boys like myself, Matt Burkus, Mike Delaney, but everyone played for the Hollanders. And then there's like a period of transition almost for the Crusaders when – Everyone needed someone to back up um, Desi, to back up Carter. So then everyone like would take turns at like replacing him, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's quite hard. Yeah. That's fair. So that's the uh, starting Landers 15. Toby, if you want to quickly run us through the Crusaders. Won't yeah, go into as the... much detail, but I'm sure you got some memories of these guys too after spending yeah, well, a bit of time there. Some of these guys will be, like you said, you would have played with a few of these two, two years after. But, um, yeah, front row, Ben Franks, uh, Flynn and Somerville. Pretty uh, pretty experienced front row as well. 
I mean, obviously Franks went on to play many, many games, but um, yeah, this, this whole Ford pack is, is ridiculous. Um, then you had Thorne and Williams, Ali Williams, of course, and the locking partnership. I think this is um, Ali's first and only season at the Crusaders as well. It's a bit yeah, weird seeing yep. him in the red and black. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah, Brad Thorne, Ali Williams, uh, and then Ruben Thorne, another Thorne, and uh, obviously Richard McCaw, who's the captain, and Tui Ali as well in the eight jersey. So. Just to round out eight All Blacks in the pack, as you do. Yeah, yeah. They, they were in it all at the same time, but yeah. they all did obviously get capped, um, yeah. which is a pretty hard case. Yeah, definitely. The back line was, was equally as impressive, I reckon. Um, obviously, there's a few internationals in there as well. It's kind almost. of one name that stands out as a young buck, but the rest are very <laughs> experienced. I mean, half partnership of Andy Ellis and Dan Carter, no less, of course. Fantastic halving partnership there. And then uh, in the centres, you had Stephen Brett and Caleb Ralph, which is pretty... Yeah, it's... Uh, can't imagine they played many games together in the midfield. No, I actually forgot to until I went back and looked. I actually forgot that Caleb Ralph played in that game. Um, yeah. I mean, he was a winger, really, out now. He, he was. Played he, played, he, played, he did play at centre for the Olympics, though, um, a few years earlier. Like, quite a bit earlier, almost like, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing, like, early 2000s, he played for the Olympics at centre. Yeah, I think he kind of started out as a centre. I think he was yeah, up at the Blues, the possibly, even. At the start yeah, he was up at the Blues, yeah, yeah. Played for Auckland, actually. Yeah, no, and certainly was, an uh, interesting midfield combination. <laughs> yeah, and as you mentioned, old Brett at twelve, a bit of a revolving door. So it's an interesting call. Nah, I just love giving him a grief because we end up stopping like uh, a couple of years later. So I went to the Crusaders, he went to the Blues. Um, I just love to give him grief, but he's a he is a very good footballer. Yeah, he was a very talented player actually. Yeah. Brett, yeah. we watched a game of his the other week, and I kind of forgot how good he was on the front foot. He was very silky. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then left wing was um, Sean Maitland as well. So he, he was in the squad at this point before he went over to, to yeah, Europe. Shawnee boy, there was Shawnee. I'm sure Kate Pookie was Kate Pookie was on the other wing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Kate Pookie, yeah. Oh, he yeah. was bloody good too. Yeah, he, he was have only been like yeah. 20 or so at this age. Yeah, he would have been a kid. Yeah. Um, and then what, Rangy Mack, Leon at the back? Yeah, Leon McDonald in the back yeah. and the fullback jersey. So yeah. I mean, you pretty... say they were kind of easing towards the semi final, but the. Lineup doesn't suggest yeah. that very it's, much. It's not a second team. Not missing many big names. Nah, I mean, nah. Casey Lalala arguably starts yeah, most Tracy, of the time. But Casey played most of the time. I think young Timmy Bateman had was running around as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Scott Hamilton. I don't know if he was around the side at this point in time. But I don't know. If it, no, I'm not sure if he left 2007, 2008. I actually played with um, Scott Hamilton up at Leicester, so I can't remember if he was there or not. You know, of course, young Kieran Reed as well on the bench. Yeah, Reed. Maybe Barney Thomas Waldron might have been there. I'm not sure. I can't remember. The depth is unreal, really. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's a lineups. Uh, we didn't have the benches for some reason. We just couldn't find them. So, <laughs> or just have to go through the the substitutions as they come. But um, yeah, that's the that's the lineups. And then I guess if we were to get kicking into the uh, the the first part of the game, we've got some notes on the game. I got some some reasonably detailed notes of the first half, given that that's when most of the port, uh, points were scored, actually. Uh, but yeah, do you want to kick us off, Ben? I mean, the first kind of start, I mean, Toby Moreland, as you said, a snipey little fella, straight into intercepts a pass off Andy Ellis somehow. I don't yeah. know how he did that, but jeez. Yeah, it's a good anticipation, the wee man. Um, yeah, he's a very good, very good player. I can't remember, but after the intercept, did he run the I link? I think he knocked right. it on, to be honest. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. it was a bit of a shame because oh, it didn't take long for there to be uh, someone crossing the white short. Nah. No. There was a wee oh, moment there. That was Paul Williams, eh? That was Paulie Williams off a, a, a 
uh, miss hit cross kick, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't even know if it was a miss hit cross kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, we just talk about that now. Like, only the card are lining it up, and Paulie Williams is just steamed in for about thirty back. And you don't see yeah. Carter making too many mistakes like that. I eh? say so he didn't hit the best one. Paul Williams is a big man, like he's six six four maybe. So he got up pretty well and showed oh, some good pace. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have stopped him, even if there was players on the other end. Cause nah, he was nah, moving like a freight train. Eh? <laughs> I mean, before that happened, there was a wee moment. You're kind of you weren't really involved, but the commentators thought you were. They got you confused for some, uh, for someone else. I was going to see oh. if you could have a wee guess who you reckon you look alike oh, is in the landed side. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, maybe Vinacolo from behind. <laughs> well, it's not a bad shout. Uh, they thought you were Johnny Liotta, mate. So. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You'd take that. He's a bit bigger <laughs> than me, to be fair. Yeah, I'll take I mean, that. yeah, it's not a bad wee comparison. <laughs> yeah, did you have any notes on the, the sort of try? Oh, before the Landers even scored, Toby, did you want to run us through the Crusaders? Great start. Yeah, they built some, uh, built some pretty good momentum, didn't they? And I think Carter was kicking. He kicked pretty well to start with, well, First era, I suppose, but um, into the corner, and there was an obstruction penalty early on, wasn't there? Um, yeah, a very rare penalty, as we've come to discuss. <laughs> yeah. It was a bizarre. It was very yes. bizarre. Do you remember why the penalties were so rare? No, we literally messaged each other. We're like, "Why is there so many free kicks and yeah, like yeah, no yeah. penalties?" Yeah. Here you go. So, so, do you remember they had the ELVs, experimental law variations that came in? It was bizarre. Like most people forget this, like. Lots of people's like careers who may only play once Super Rugby or whatever, they would have played in the most ridiculous time period. Like there was a game, the preseason games were like fifty to forty. Like that was the score lines because people were getting so used to like these rampant free kicks. Yeah, it was crazy. So it was just free kick for everything. So like if it was instead of a penalty, it's a free kick. Instead of a scrum, it was a free kick, and you're just like, oh my god! It was yeah, it's so weird to see. Literally every time something slight happened in a breakdown, free kick. This, yeah, free they kick, tried that. to. It was mainly for penalties. They were trying to speed the game up, but those teams who were better, a la the Crusaders and maybe some South African sides, they just became more cynical because you didn't get as punished as much. Yeah, yeah. If you get it, makes sense. Quick so you just tap five out. You're not going to do a great. Yeah. Deal so apart from compared. tapping. Um, like, you didn't obviously get the position from the line out. Uh, so it was, it didn't last long. It got rushed through, like, in the preseason. No one really had a chance to know about it, and then we were playing them. So it was weird. It didn't really seem consistent. Like, there was a part in this match where even the ref didn't really remember what he said, and it, he said it was a free kick, but then Delaney was lining up a penalty, which... Yeah, a bit of chopping changing, eh? <laughs> yeah, I think it was, because, like, it was, it was real hard to know, like, what was... I think it was only, like, a breakdown penalty became a free kick, but then another type of penalty was still a penalty. So again, mate, as I say, remembering back a long time ago, it's a bit of, pretty confusing. Most people just not taking quick taps, and the game became real like helter skelter with no shape. I mean, yeah, you say most people. I had one note down at some point. David Hall attempts a quick tap, quick tap of all people. Yeah, Doesn't go so well. He kind of kicks it forward yeah. and goes about two meters forward. He regathers it. So. Yeah, I do remember that actually. He's like he grubbed it by accident. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the worst kick of the match, but uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah that, the Crusaders' um, tries, yeah, mentioned. That obstruction penalty. And then um, after that obstruction penalty, obviously Carter kicking it down into the corner and a bit of an early rolling maul, I guess, from the Crusaders um, at the four-minute four mark. And um, yeah, Corey Flynn goes over with um, with Ben Franks supporting him. Uh, sort of a rolling, sort of a half-rolling maul, I guess. But um, yeah, they go over in the corner and, and uh, that's 5-0 up early on, four minutes. Carter misses the penalty. Uh, sorry, the conversion, unfortunately. I, mean, but, I don't know um, if you remember much from the start, but that must have kind of 
scared you a bit seeing the Crusaders already 5-0 up after I just five. Out thinking far out this is like so typical of them they hadn't touched the ball because we dominated for like opening three or four minutes I think yeah they uh, and then as I say like one mistake you're back on your own goal line defending a rolling ball and then Corey Flynn would have done that 30 times probably in his career scoring tries off the back of that and then it's like 5-0 down you're like oh here we go but we managed to bounce back okay I mean, literally two minutes later, as you mentioned, Paul Williams, <laughs> for some reason, Carter lined up a cross kick from in his own half, and Paul Williams just steams onto it and brings you right back into the game. Yeah, I do remember that, actually. Um, I'm not sure they maybe got a little bit um, overconfident, but I do remember it was a good finish from Big Paulie. Yeah, I mean, Del- Delaney was lining up the kicking at this point. Did you have any uh, yeah, chance yeah, of taking the duties so, over from it? No, I kicked um, first part of the year. Um, and then I had a slight quad tear. So towards the back half of the year, I had like a, a small quad tear that we got scanned up. And so I just didn't, I just couldn't goal kick uh, as much. So then we were just like, oh, there's no point doing it at like sort of 70%. Um, Mike Delaney did the majority of the kicking because um, just trying to make sure I didn't rip my quad off the bone type scenario. Yeah, it wouldn't be great fun running around with that. No, I actually ended up doing it later or later on in the year, so that wasn't ideal, but we fixed it in the long term. Well, yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> lucky you weren't kicking then. Um, yeah, so yeah, Delaney missed the conversion on that on that try, unfortunately. Uh, so it was five all, but um, it looked like there was a bit of back and forth at this stage, but... Um, didn't last long. There was some pretty nice running after that, wasn't there, Ben? I mean, yeah, a fair bit from kind of both teams. See, I noted your first touch at the nine-minute mark. I you might have had it before then, but I was like, geez, running 10 and not getting the ball just yeah, 10 minutes in. It was a bit weird, because eh? oh, I couldn't kick, so I didn't do any of the exit kicks. I, I remember thinking, like, because Toby Moreland, well, we were just box-kicking everything. Oh, he loved the box-kick. But I was probably a bit harsh on the bike. Everyone's like, oh, we're kicking the ball away. But because I was carrying this niggle, and I, but I still could play and I could still run around. I just couldn't kick. So all the kicking basically came from everybody else. Oh, that's all right. Quite it takes a bit of pressure off you. Yeah, yeah, it was actually. So then I just ran around like I was playing league. Yeah, I was going to say that a few times you kind of threw a couple of dummy cuts in there, a few <laughs> little steps. Looked like yeah, you were out on the touch. Yeah, I was thinking I was Brad Pillar. <laughs> You're a big league gonna... fan, are you? I watch a lot of league, yeah, to be honest. Nice. Any favorite teams? Uh, the Raiders, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I grew up a Raiders fan, eh? although we suck, and we had a final <laughs> loss a couple of years ago. Last year we were disappointing, but I think Ricky Ricky Stewart's got us back on track. Not a Warriors fan. Being a, not a Warriors fan. Being an nah, orphan, yeah. I went to I went to the very first game against the Broncos in '95, but just oh, well. a year before, when I was a kid, I had like this Warriors like uh, jersey that was given. I'm oh, not sorry, not Warriors. I had a Raiders. Jersey and like a Raiders like bedspread and pillow when I was like six or seven years old. So I just loved the Raiders. And then 94, when I was, I would have been eight years old in 94, I remember that was like the greatest NRL side in history, the 94 Raiders. If you want to go back and look at an NRL team, go back and look at who was playing the 94 Raiders. It's did like the ever, dream team of dream teams. Did you ever have a, where you think about going into league instead of union? I did actually. I once I, I had a, a, a very brief phone call with the Warriors in about 2000 and or oh, back in the 2010. Realistically, um, I, was, I, I thought about it because I watched the hell of a lot of league. Um, I really enjoyed it, but it just the timing wasn't good. They really picked up someone to be like a utility half, so it, it just didn't work out. 
You got the sort of game that wouldn't look out of place yeah. in a league field, to be fair. Nah, because I played Let's a lot see. of touch too growing up. Like, and, and it's just very similar. A lot of the touch players play league, and the concept is quite similar. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you have any other notes after that, uh, Toby? Other than Delaney taking a shot? Have anything before then? No, that's pretty much it. And then it was a a tap and go, 11 minutes uh, from Moreland to another nice wee sniping run. But uh, he gets laid out pretty quickly by old Reuben Thorne. Uh, This this time with a a head-high tackle, which absolutely would have been a yellow card today, or probably even a red. But uh, They just brush it off like nothing back then. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, (laughs) just play on then. Um, but it was just a penalty, and um, Delaney kicks it for an eight points to five lead in the 13th minute. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't last for too long, as literally about two or three minutes later, Dan Carter lines one out from 40 and he yeah. curls it, but it's gone through. Slots it. Yeah, it was yeah, a nice I kind of found it weird how much curl he was getting on the ball because Delaney wasn't getting that much bend, but Carter just. Well, the, Carter's Jonathan Thurston. He was just practicing whatever he wanted, to be honest. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, fair enough when you're that good. This was the same stadium he did that crazy banana kick, wasn't it? Where he just like bent it around like it was, it was ridiculous. You know, that oh, YouTube that video of Carter with that conversion? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen that. That's yeah. Yeah. Try one of those yourself. Nah, shit. i got more chance of hitting the corner flag than that. <laughs> I mean, on the subject of kicking while we're at it, I know there was a wee match we were going to bring up the 2009 uh, replay of this match. Yeah, oh, it's a bit yes. less entertaining. It was a 6-0 win to the Highlanders. Yeah. <laughs> All points coming courtesy of your right boots. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember the game well. Mate, it was the most bizarre game. Like, they had, like, Richie played and went off after, like, 10, 15 minutes. Like, they were getting injured left, right, and centre. And they were butchering heaps of stuff. We actually played quite well. But it was just, like, no one could score. I remember Slady. I think Con Slade might have been playing. He missed, like, a handful of shots of goal. And then we just didn't get any chances to get any points until sort of like the 60th and maybe 70th minute, and I just kicked over, basically banged over two penalties, and that was the game. Um, but I do remember, because it was like 3 nil. and I was thinking when I was lining up the last kick, which was about like the 70-something minute maybe, and I was thinking, if I kick this, we, we might win. And I was like, <laughs> it seems so bizarre to be winning at 6 nil. and I was thinking, yeah. Could be wrong, but I think it's the lowest scoring Super Rugby it was, game. It must still be like that, but it was, I it think is. it was the only... Game ever to not have a try, and I think it's still the lowest scoring game ever. But the footy was all right; like the it was into it. It wasn't like super boring. Just no one would score, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. no, you get so, those man. games sometimes. Yeah, so do you remember anyway, if that, that was, was uh, Carisbrook or Jade? No, that was Carisbrook. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I remember going to that game as a kid. Yeah, walking away a bit disappointed that my uh, favorite <laughs> players didn't. Even though he won, yeah, it was. You wouldn't be asking. You'd ask for your money back, to be honest. <laughs> it was an early game too I remember it was like an evening kickoff but it wasn't a 7 kickoff it might have been like a 5 because the sun was still there when we, when we started oh I mean that's probably a rare thing yeah, <laughs> Pro rugby I think I remember coming out oh that's right because I remember coming out and thinking I warmed up and I was wearing moulds and then I came back and I was thinking shit do I need to change my boots but I never did I, I just stayed with them did you have a time of day you preferred? Were you an afternoon footy yeah, man, uh, or you don't? Um, really we played the net period again because of TV, and still the same now. To, to, to be honest, well, actually, it's probably gone full circle. I reckon there's more daytime footy now than there is then. In that period, there was so much night rugby because it was the TV rights, you know, and it was what yeah. they wanted. Yeah. Um, but I honestly still think most footy should be played at day. Like I coach pro footy now, and I think rugby should be at day. Daytime yeah. rugby is just it's just better. I mean, the yeah. families get involved. It's kind of just a different involved, atmosphere. atmosphere. Yeah, you don't want like kids coming home at nine thirty at night. Um, the game, the product's better because there's no dew on the ball, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Like, 
it seems minuscule, but daytime footy is the answer. But I understand the reasons why there's not yeah. At least, as you said, they're kind of trying to bring it in a bit more now, so it's good to see. Yeah, a lot of the provincial games now are like afternoon, aren't they? Yeah, which is great, mate. Like two o'clock, four o'clock, that's that's good. I think even when there's All Blacks in that, they make them like odd times, like one and three yeah. and all sorts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all good. But a whole day of footy, really. I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's we'll... kind of point I had. I don't know if you had anything else, Toby, but it was a, nah. a nice wee run from the man himself, actually. Kind of the first yeah. time you looked to snipe. Didn't quite get through the gap, but... No, I was trying. I just... Um, we had done not as much analysis as we do these days, but we just remember that they used to, like, fold around the corner defensively a lot. Um, like, they, they're really good defensively at sort of getting, working around the far side and um, basically presenting a bit of a wall. So I just went back down the short side, I remember, um, just jumped down the short side. And I could see there was Mossy and Ali, I think, was there, maybe. And I was just trying to get someone to come underneath because I was just kind of trying to run between the gap in the middle of them because, um, you know, forwards are slow and all the rest of it. And then you I just, just duck under him. Yeah, just managed to get through and threw a bit of a dummy cut. And then Toby Morland was back on the inside. And it was not a bad little run. I mean, yeah, he had some silky wee hips in there. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. and Ali had a wee uh, conf- confrontation later, I noticed too. So maybe he was trying to get you back for that. Yeah, I don't know. Because I was within the fears before in the Blues. Um, so I don't know what he was. Maybe he was just annoying me, and he's a big man. I mean, yeah, he's he's a big man. You're a little man. I'd be pissed if I was him too. <laughs> yeah, he is a big man, actually. Yeah. Apart from your calves, apparently, uh, you, your workmates <laughs> like to mention your calves are quite large. So maybe that was <laughs> hey, the uh, issue here. These blokes say who send him messages. They all going to be banned. Oh yeah, mate. Make sure you stay tuned to the end for those because uh, yeah, there'll be some rippers. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the other wee notes you wanted to bring up, tips. No, nah, nothing. Um, I was just going to bring up here, yeah, like I said, that when Nisbo mentioned uh, the crowd size, I thought it was a bit, bit bizarre. You just wouldn't hear that today. But um, yeah, no, nah, other than that, it's pretty much um, pretty much what you said. And then obviously there was a couple of good runs there from the Crusaders as well. I think Leon McDonald yeah. had a bit of a bit of a cock up at some point as well. Yeah, kind of bounced past him. We went back to get him to bounce past him again. It was like couldn't couldn't, couldn't claim the. Uh, yeah, it just, wasn't the only time that happened in the match too. Nah, nah. But um, it was another good run from from yourself actually. Nearly broke nearly broke through again. Um, I think if you got it, I think the commentators were saying if you got your pass off, you might have uh, they might have been in for another try there. The yeah, I tried to offload it. Eh, I think out the side. I can't remember who was running. Someone was running there. Um, but. Yeah, I'll just try to get in between two people. Yeah, we didn't have the, the most, it, like, yeah. um, we didn't have the most, I suppose, that's what I'm looking for, creative game plan. It was pretty simple, to be fair. We just try to find weak shoulders all the time and attack real direct. Um, just take the game to them, really. Yeah, you could do when they're that good. Just is like they always were so dominant, and I think everyone tried to always be very articulate and expensive and tried to like outplay the Crusaders at their own game. And the Hollanders, as I say, those back-to-back wins over a couple of year period was literally just rolled our sleeves up and we're like, well, we'll just take them on, be really direct, confrontational. We had some big bodies like Johnny and um, Neva and stuff. And the following year we had Jason Schumacher and we just punched holes really often and try to get in between defenders and it sort of worked to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they were, as Toby mentioned, they were making a few good runs, but they were a bit rattled at times because your yeah. line speed was just crazy on the other side of the ball. <laughs> yeah. You just didn't give them time. I don't think there's much planning to do with that. Everyone's just like, ah, oh, let's get up faster. Yeah, yeah no, fair enough. Sometimes it's how been, you win. Was it, was it quite a, um, like a, a big thing in the coaching 
department, um, you know, half time and before the game that they were sort of mentioning that the Crusaders love to to come back late in the game because they were sort of known for that, weren't they, at the time, coming starting a bit slower and coming back towards yeah, the Yeah, I think it was just like, mate, their conditioning base seemed to be so much superior. And then it wasn't until I went there a couple of years later and obviously was play as a player and realised how they trained. It was probably a little bit different and maybe, if I'm honest, ahead of the other franchises at the time. Yeah. Um, there was always a big debate in rugby at that period. This was like, as I say, an ancient time ago, like 10 years ago, I think, maybe more. Um, it's, it was a lot. They played all these small sided games, which like like six on six or five on five, like big open parts. So, like, all the forwards had to run like backs, all the backs had to like clean out and hit rucks like forwards. So, it was very multi dimensional. And they probably did that before most other teams. Right. So they just had a lot of fitness. And at the time, if you remember, the Crusaders scored all these points from turnovers. Yeah, so there was a few times. Really lethal on turnover. But because they actually practiced it, whereas if I remember us, we didn't barely practice turnover attack whatsoever. It's going to go with instinct, I guess. You, you did, yeah, but they obviously put a method to it and then they were very successful due to it. So their conditioning was, as I say, mate, it was world-class. And I think that gave them the wood on most teams. Do you attribute that to Robbie Deans? Um, yeah, I guess. Robert Deans, they had this like Australian S&C coach who ended up being the Wallabies and all around the world, a guy called Ashley Jones. And he he was very, very good. Um, again, probably a little bit ahead of the game with the loading and monitoring. And, yep. Um, they just seemed to be, maybe as I say, just sports science that they approached was a little bit ahead of others at the time. Yeah. So they just had a little bit of an advantage. Oh, yeah. I mean, on a completely different tangent, but a moment I have to bring up because we do this once every episode, or at least I do. Toby doesn't like it, but uh, 24 minutes, the dive pass counter. Andy Ellis. <laughs> God, I love a dive pass. It's got, I just uh, don't Andy see Ellis. enough of them nowadays. Yeah. I think Andy, Andy Ellis, Ellis has just good. about half the dive passes on the counter himself. But... <laughs> oh well, if Jimmy Cowan was playing, mate, if he started yeah, Jimmy the game. Jimmy the dive pass. It's just oh. not in the game anymore because they can't um, obviously get off the ground and get to the next rock. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not much logic in it, but oh, now, I never understood why they did it. They, to be honest, like it, it just looks cool. Yeah, for the cool, cameras, it didn't, it didn't achieve anything. Yeah. Nah, nah. You didn't want to step in and have we go yourself. Nah, <laughs> I did actually play nine once for the Hollanders by accident. We were playing the Blues at Eden Park, I think, two thousand nine, and Jimmy got sent off for basically headbutting or. Flying into Jimmy Cowan, yeah, oh, Jimmy, being Jimmy really. That doesn't sound like yeah. him, does it? Yes, yeah, so, and then I had to play halfback for like half a game. It was a shambles putting the ball into the scrum and all sorts of carry on. Interesting, yeah. all right. but that was my claim to fame. Oh, mate, you can put yourself down as a halfback, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's really at the bottom, though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was um back to the game, I guess. That was when um the ref said to, to Delaney, oh, it's a free kick, but then he lines up a penalty and, and scores it. So I'm not sure how that works, but um obviously wasn't a free kick. Um yeah, so then the Hollanders lead eleven points to eight, which is I guess at this point thirty minutes in the game. It's not too bad, but um Carter draws one back very, very shortly afterwards. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Every time one team hit a penalty, the other seemed to hit it not long after. Yeah. There was a few misses in here from Delaney, actually. He probably left a good 12, 9, 12 points on the field, I'd say, um, perhaps. Maybe more, but... Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Carter missed one or two as well, but, like, yeah, yeah. Delaney. 
Yeah, so that was um, that was that. I thought there was a bit of a dick of the day moment in there, not necessarily a dick of the day, but maybe a close a close one um, if we're doing that today. But uh, I think it was a it was an interesting Nisbo on this game. He was a bit less sterile than he is today. I think I think not really his fault. He's probably told what he can and can't say nowadays with today's day and age. But um, he was he corrected himself in this game. He was calling the touchy a touchy the whole game until this point, and he corrected himself and called him the assistant ref. So you wouldn't hear him call him. You probably wouldn't hear Nisbo call them a, a touchy anymore, would you? Oh, you definitely love how say more casual they were back in this sort of day. Like, yeah, say things how they are. Who cares? I liked it. I liked it a lot. But yeah, you wouldn't hear that again. I don't think. Um, I mean, at least we didn't have the Aussie commentators this week. Oh, like, that, well, tell you what, finally gave our ears a breather for once. Serious <laughs> breath. I didn't want Phil Kearns, and I don't want to hear him ever again, to be honest. But <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So that was. That was a bit of a funny moment. Uh, but, yeah, another great attack period from the Highlanders, isn't it? Um, about the 30-minute point. And- yeah, I mean, Delaney stabs a nice wee grubber through, but K-Paul, yeah. he was pretty quick to turn back. He, he did. He I think that was up. where you guys got your five-meter scrum and you worked your magic to get it on Toby yeah, Mormon yeah. on the inside. That's right, yeah. I mean, yeah. you must have been pretty stoked at that point in time, going up 18-11, 30 minutes in. You must have thought- yeah, that's a good lead, eh? Obviously, we'd worked pretty hard for that, playing the rugby at the right end of the field and, and whatnot. So the, it was probably a reflection of the territory that we had. Yeah, it was a great way you run from yourself. I mean, it was just essentially a dummied, bit of a, a bit, bit of a jimmy. Nearly got taken out by uh, Tui Ali'i, but um, beautiful offload to, to Moreland for a, uh, a nice try. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the commentators were certainly uh, singing your praises after that one. <laughs> they were uh, giving us your background after that, as they do. <laughs> I think yeah, that was when they were a bit confused. Yeah, I think he was in the booth as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was very good, John Preston, eh, as a commentator. Yeah. He was very articulate. I thought he was very good. Yeah, I yeah, thought no, the I was quite great, like man. the commentators from this year. It's the thing. Yeah, he was very good. Back to these old yeah, he was good. No Justin yeah. Marshall at this point, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, he would have made some noises seeing that yeah. one, I'll tell you that much. I mean, the next um, kind of big thing, it didn't take long for you to get near the yeah. board again. You had another five-metre scrum. Can't remember which commentator was, but they were trying to plan you a wee move. They thought a, as they said in their words, a classic little lefto to Moreland would be a good one right now. That was more what a classic little lefto yeah, is. Yeah, that was like from his day and age, like where the eight would pass to the nine on the left. But I think he always forgot that the defensive halfback stands on that side. Yeah, so like they haven't been around since like the sixties. I mean, I mean, yeah, you kind of tried your own thing. A lot of people drove close. Hayden Triggs in particular. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then. Adam Thompson decided he'd have a go himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Tomo, he sort of, like, we dropped Johnny Leota underneath and tried to get some go for it, and then we ran out of the corner a couple of times. And then, yeah, Tomo just sort of picked up some loose ball and, and dived over. I think there's uh, one bit in there that kind of made the try, actually. I don't know if Thompson was going to get there until you dove in there and added your considerable bulk yeah, to the mix. that's what I said to him, too. <laughs> yeah. the it was great. T- I should have been a hooker, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it was you and someone else just got yeah. in there after he's over the line. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I saw that. You can claim that. And that. It was a try, so that's all that mattered. I know. Yeah. I think he might have done his um, You Can't See Me as well, if I'm not. Yeah, correct. he loved that, eh? The old, yeah, um, the old John Cena. John Cena, yeah. yeah. He used to bring that out a lot, to be fair. He probably scored enough tries for yeah. it, didn't he? He scored that many tries. He had a knack of scoring. It was incredible. Yeah, there was a few at the um, 2011 World Cup as well. He did the whole You Can't See Me as well, which was quite funny. I mean, yeah, um, bring back t- try celebrations, eh? Yeah, oh, not very much good. anymore. I mean, Lili Masanga was the king of them. Yeah, he was flashy. He was good. Very good. Oh, what about Chris Ashton with the swan dive? Oh, Surely. 
His English, she can't like it. Yeah, I do remember when Digby Arnie did the whole uh, thing and then Ranger copied him with the um, had to get his legs held up. Do you remember that? Jeez, I don't know if I can, but like that sounds like Rene to me. Yeah, like. Very good. Very good. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts on old Rico Ioanni's, um one-handed dot down where he got into trouble when he lost one of them a couple, yeah, of, a couple of seasons back? Yeah, to be fair. But, I mean, Shex, he wouldn't do that many times, would he? Nah. nah um, he he'd probably scored 100 tries like that. Also, yeah. him diving over tries when he's like nine and ten years old, and he'd, he'd been doing the same thing. So I can't believe he actually dropped it. It looks yeah. cool, but, yeah, unfortunately it didn't. That he failed it on the world stage. <laughs> he bounced back pretty soon after that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone really remembers it because he kind of just burst back into form. But yeah, so yeah. The, um, it was, what, 23-11 at this point, wasn't it? After yeah. After the Thompson try. About two minutes out from the half. It was time for a bit more action from you guys. I mean, Toby Moreland tried one of his famous little box chips. And <laughs> yeah. Vinicolo just about got on the end of it. Monacolo nearly scored from there. If he just kept it in the field of play, if he had a left chance. foot, then maybe. Yeah. He's rapid, eh? Shit, he was so fast. I mean, as we said, the boots had at least another few Ks per hour. <laughs> another high tackle, actually, after that as well, wasn't there? Um, and then, but. Uh, yeah, Triggsy put a shot on someone, I think. Another probably yellow today, I'd say. But uh, yeah, Carter converted that one. So it was 23-14 at this point, um, and it was halftime after that, essentially. Yeah, I don't know if you saw just before the half, the ref almost got in on the deck of the day act, just missed yeah, out, but saw that someone actually. just about shoved him over, managed to skip yeah. out of the tackle. But... Yeah, oh, I can't remember that. <laughs> I'm sure you've taken a few refs out in your time. Oh, yeah, I've seen refs get absolutely cleaned up, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely cleaned up. I remember a game in England where... Um, like the ref got in between, like someone picking and going near the ruck, and the guy's trying to like jam outside in. You know, like the referee sort of stand to the side, and they sort of move in between the defensive line and then get out of the way. And he just got cleaned up, like basically in the back from the defender. Jeez, yeah, Jeez. it must be quite sore when that sort yeah. of thing. You're not braced for it, you know? Nah. You're not braced at all, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was half time, and then. There wasn't a lot really to talk about in the second half. But yeah, it was we could a... probably brush over that in a few minutes. Really, it wasn't too much. Well, I can I remember mean... from the second half is we had like a scrum, and I can't remember what stage of the game we had done heaps of nice things. We had the set play, like where we dropped, like we did like a cut, and then we threw an inside pass to somebody off a scrum, and we almost scored. But it looked real pretty because we've been <laughs> practicing it. Like in those days, you used to practice a lot of scrum launches because there were so many more scrums in the games. This day and age in pro rugby. Teams don't spend more than sort of oh, maybe five, ten minutes in the week on scrum strikes because it just doesn't happen very much in the game anymore. Did you have some sort of favourite set moves to try run off the scrums? Yeah, it was always basically stuff like that. Like Because in those days, like there was a lot of um, space back towards the, uh, the actual defenders off the scrum. So you'd try and like, run cuts and then throw inside passes off the cuts. Or you'd try and use the wingers a lot in between the – like the scrum and the first defender. So there's always like little seams we would run like a like an ID with the centre and the and the second five and then we drop the wing underneath. And we used that heaps of Paul Williams. Um hard to blame he'll break the first yeah. tackle or two. Because he always ran really awesome lines and he's such a big body. I mean, well, you mentioned that. Was that about, oh, I think it was about 46-minute mark? I had a point where you put a good bit of play together. I don't know if it was yourself. I couldn't quite catch it, but someone got held up over the line. Oh, yeah. I know you were heavily involved. It was, um, yeah, that was about 46 minutes. I think it was, um, was it Leota that got held up, I think? Yeah, it might have been, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that was, it was slick hands from the lottie, really. Yeah, it was a good, it was a very good 
piece. It should have been a try almost, but um, was held up. There's a lot of a lot of Crusaders in there. I think it was Tui Ali'i that held it up. Yeah, I mean, but, not um, long after that, I saw might have been been off the scrum. I saw a wee uh, bit of play from Andy Ellis, probably illegal, but I rated it. He just sticks <laughs> his right foot out and blocks Toby yeah. Morgan passing the ball out. But, but the ref saw it as well. Didn't, <laughs> didn't do anything. Can't blame Andy Ellis. Right. Um, I played with Andy Ellis, as I said later on, and uh, I played rugby for a long time. Different places in the world. He'd be the most competitive person in any team I reckon I've been in. Nice. I mean, it's hard to blame yeah, he you. Was, You're a halfback. Competitiveness yeah, is But he was just so competitive. Like, you know, if there was a training and you're playing like the small side of games, I said, I was referencing earlier, he'd play as if it was the World Cup final. Like, everything was super serious. And that's how he was so tenacious. He was such a good competitor. He just wanted to win everything. I feel like Jimmy Cowan wins this question hands down, but if you've got a teammate who's just been the biggest shithouse, just those little niggly things... Ah, oh, Jimbo. Wow, what a legend. Yeah, he could just get under anyone's skin, to be honest. But he was actually really good at it because he'd either make them laugh and wind them up or he'd just be like getting stuck into them and telling them how average they were. So yeah. he, was, he was good, man. He'd be like, you know, like if he was if he was a test cricketer sledging, he'd have people <laughs> in all sorts. Yeah. Or oh, the, the mic, the stump mic yeah, on that would be he'd be banned that many times. But he was just into people. Because he had the thickest skin. It was good. I mean, I remember that oh, a couple moments of his, actually. The one where he got headbutted by Backy's Porter. That was an iconic <laughs> one. I remember <laughs> another one, yeah. One of we penalty one year, and he just rolls the ball forward, like two or three metres, just while the ref turned his back. Like, yeah. Just got to love it. Jimmy was a very good player. He played like 50, 50 something game, maybe 50 tests for the All Blacks. And he, um, he was also the player alongside, actually. As I said, in this game, they were highlighting, come off the bench for some reason. I think it's because he played. A hell of a lot of minutes, or it might have been the time that he got himself into a whole bunch of trouble with the with the Finn oh, for some event. I mean, which time? Yeah, so I don't know. But I mean, Toby Morland had a very good game actually. He definitely didn't look out of place out there. Nah, he was very good to me. He played a lot of super footy, lots and lots of rugby. Yeah, yeah. another player who's been around the block too, actually, especially at provincial level. He did. He ended up playing for Auckland, and I'm honestly sure played he in Russia as well. Yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure he played for. He might have even had a season for one or two. I think he did. Um, when he was getting like very long in the tooth, um, but he yeah, certainly played for Auckland. Right. Oh, sorry, played for Auckland a couple of uh, years as well. I know that for a fact. Him and Matt Brickless came up just after oh, I left to go to see Matt Brickless played there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't it's much else of... in this half. I mean, there was a, a pretty questionable yellow card to Richie McCall later in the piece, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't really do anything, did he? But nah. he got one anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, Carter put on a high shot, and McCall <laughs> kind of took the full. Everyone's had 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 enough of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he I was sent old, off. Uh, Ali Williams lost his gear at some point. You didn't quite see who did it, but the cameras cut and they saw you and someone else lying along the ground beside him. So it's like, geez, <laughs> well, I, I don't think I'd be minding him. I remember because um, obviously I knew Ali from playing with him a couple of years prior. I was probably just reminding him about this time we were in um, Australia on a like a preseason trip for the Blues, and he was trying to scrap half the boys um, when we got back to the hotel because he'd had a few too many drinks. <laughs> Doesn't sound like Harley. Yeah, no. so now it's good times. I was just reminding him that I think he got filled in by somebody, so he probably didn't enjoy it. Oh, no, you got to do that. Nah, he's an absolute legend. Like, he was so good to me. Like, we were young, and he, to all the young blokes, he he was bloody awesome, to be honest. Were you good for chucking a few sort of lines or two to the opposition where you're playing? Nah, oh, no, nah, maybe. Depends who it was. <laughs> Not the South Africans, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, they wouldn't enjoy it. Nah, yeah, they no. probably wouldn't have much sarcasm at the time. 
Most of my oh. comments are very sarcastic. Oh, I'm sure you get a bit of that in Kiwi footy, though. Yeah, you so do. I mean, now. all of you all know each other from... Yeah, I do enjoy it now. I like, and recently that was good around how boys are really starting to um, show some, some chat out there. It's quite really common in Europe, I found, in the UK. Heaps of... Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. I mean, another wee note um, wasn't a big one, but I saw Delaney at one point. And it's the worst thing to happen to a kicker. He went up for a kick, and the ball fell off the tee. So, oh, was that a conversion yeah. or a penalty? Oh, I think it's a penalty. So oh. I don't really know why, but you just got to put it back on. Yeah, Has that ever happened to you? At any yeah, point? a couple of times. To be fair, um, it's happened in a tro- oh, like an NPC game where I had to drop kick it, and it went over. I couldn't believe it. It was like one of the first games early on, and I just hit this like fluke drop goal from near the sideline. Oh, I hope they got uh, that on camera. I wish it was on camera because shit, I'll be showing it to everyone. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely got some more uh, highlights you'd want to share from this game than old poor Lockie last week. I don't think he wants to see that match ever again. Oh, is it the one where Craig Cooper was running inside out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that became a meme, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, <laughs> Quaid actually posted it on his Instagram last week. I thought he almost might have watched our episode, but. Oh, um, yeah. I don't think I don't think so. Oh, it's funny because um, it's I reckon it's come up that many different times because I ended up playing later on at Bath. I played with Ben Tupperwai who scored the try. Oh yeah, yeah. yes he did. Yeah, so I ended up reminding him and said, "Oh, that was my mate Lockie Munro who got turned inside out." <laughs> oh, jeez! Oh, I'm almost gutted that something like that didn't happen to you in this match. Cause... <laughs> Shit! If it did, I would have just said a different game. Oh, well, last last time we let we let uh, Lockie off the hook when it came to the uh, the dick of the day, but today we actually might be looking at having you in contention for uh, man of the match. So, oh, yeah. what do you reckon, Ben? <laughs> I mean, should we just move on to that point now? Because there's not too much else that happens in the rest. Of the no, match, there's really. not. Oh, actually, there's there not. is one moment. It's actually my dick of the day, but I'll bring that up when we talk about it. But yeah, oh, I was going to say another wee stat actually. The commentators mentioned it was the biggest upset of the season, and they mentioned first time Highlanders had won against the Crusaders since 2001, first time in Christchurch since 1996. So wow. A I few years. Aware of those. No. Yeah, I've tried to find out what the all time record actually was, but I couldn't. But glad they mentioned that. As I say, that. though, like, they ended up, we ended up for the next couple of years, maybe three, certainly two. Uh, I'm not sure about 2010. No, because I was at the Crusaders. No, we beat them. Um, but yeah, it was they just a couple of years just found like a way to win. Glenn Moore was the coach for Hollanders at the time. He just simplified everything. It was just like bash the door down and we'll see yeah. how we go. So yeah, that, that ended 26-14, didn't it? That game. So yeah, pretty decent. I remember score. being real pumped at the end of the game. Like I think my celebrations were a bit over the top. Well, I mean, it's a big win. You don't yeah. get a win. And it was, last, was it, it was the last round robin game, yeah. Yeah, and it was sort of like the end of the season, and like it was a really good way to finish. And that was my, as I said, like my debut playing year, even though I was in previously. I didn't play much. So. I'm sure you sunk a few brews on the uh, bus ride home after that. One. <laughs> I actually can't remember what we did. No, I'm sure we stayed in Christchurch that day. Yeah, we did. We did. Do you have Not any stories from sort of team travels? Yeah, sure man. I'll tell you that story. I think it must have been 2009. If it was 2008, 2009, I can't remember which one it was. It must have been 2009. That Cordy I was saying to we ended up having this um big so Craig Newby lived up in this awesome house up in St. Clair or similar, like a really nice house with like a really big block of land and stuff. And we had this big court session that he'd arranged and everyone had to come and he had to come 
something green. I don't know how this came. So um, people were like dressing up and all sorts of things. And I remember uh, Boogie Glenn Horton turned up and he just painted himself like green. But I don't think it was like the body paint that he was supposed to use. I think it was like fence paint. Oh, no. <laughs> Classic Southlander. Eh? It's probably yes, uh, a wonderful human. Um, it didn't – I don't think it came off for days, but it was a hard case because um, he just called himself like the green bulge. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> I remember there was like all sorts of things going on and um, it, everything had – we'd had like a thousand beers at this thing and it was really well set up and it was in like a barn type stuff. It was awesome like – rugby, you know, classic rugby uh, end of year do type scenario. And then I just remember it was getting real rowdy towards the back end. Someone had got on noobs as uh, ride on lawnmower. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing I turn over and there's a couple of nude blokes on ride on lawnmower. <laughs> and then I was thinking, holy moly, this is getting – next thing, you know, I see uh, people, shall remain nameless, driving this truck. Now, noobs had like this tiny pond. When I say tiny, probably – 30 metres by 30 metre pond, just because it was the type of land that he had. It was like a gully, one of the things. And they drove this truck straight into the, the pond. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I was they climbed out the window, stood on top of this truck. Like It was like this old Hilux, and they were like standing there like like celebrating whilst this truck is like sinking <laughs> in the water. And this is me, and I'm like 19 years old, looking out of this like, what or 20 years old and they're just like what is this what is going on here they say you know i see the real slow in the background the lawnmower making its way oh no into the pond and then i just see someone who was there and noobs just flying and tackling whoever it was on top of the lawnmower off so the lawnmower didn't end up in with the truck last time noobs are off to host a cordy i bet yeah well hell of a cordy though shit he could put a oh i mean some but, yards but i'll never that. forget that like I've never seen a truck driven into, or like a ute driven into a pond before. Like, who does that? <laughs> yeah, that's. Stay there for days. Stay there for days. What level of shots do you have to have before considering driving a truck into a pond? Someone ended up having to, um, someone had to, like, get it like, rescued out with, like, a winch and stuff. And it was, it was written off. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprising. I really man. hope they had insurance. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, how does fine. a courty sort of look at that level? Do you still have fines in place and stuff? Oh uh, yeah, in those te- in those days we did. Yep. Did oh, you have a... well, everyone had different sorts? Like we had a sheriff and a uh, sorry, we had a judge and yeah, a sheriff and we had like a court and you had to like present your case and you had lawyers and it's oh, pretty hard. Sounds case, unreal. Man. Any other particular fines you remember from your playing days? Um, mate, honestly, they just make up fines on the spot. Yeah, that's, that's how you it know, goes. They made up a whole lot of stuff and they'd fine you for your like your haircuts or yeah. anything. But it was always entertaining. They fine you for being unfinable. They just find anything you can find. Yeah, they but they were good fun. They don't sort of happen as such like that anymore. But um, still, boys find it a good way to have a good time. I mean, I'm sure if stuff like that got out into the media now, there'd be an uproar. Thank God there was no, a shame. I think I heard a Motorola, one of those Razor phones. Are you guys shit? You no, I did. Not quite that old. Yeah. Um, but they, they, so there was no like, you know, Instagram and Facebook and shit. I think Facebook came out in 2008, maybe. Oh, maybe a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really be getting so it to It well wouldn't have been nothing like that was around, you know? We had Bebo, I think, just, just yeah, Bebo. Yeah. It's yeah. almost the good days. You can just get out and do shit without that, having sort exactly of right. repercussions, but yeah, not gonna have a uh, sort of judgment and whatnot. People just carried on with things, and there wasn't that sort of behaviour now where you know people behave and do things just for social media. Yeah, that, that didn't exist then. 
Nah, which is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, back onto the uh, conclusion of the game. Did you want to run through your? Well, I suppose to start with the moment of the match, if you want, Toby. This should be a pretty quick one. Yeah, there's a couple of moments that I would probably pick, but I'm actually going to go for um, for the try that you, yourself you set up. That was a fantastic one to Moreland. I think it was a pretty key point as well in the game where they were. It was still pretty neck and neck at this point, and that sort of that try separated it a wee bit. So I'm going to go for that. It was a pretty nice setup and. Fantastic try. Fair, fantastic shout. I've got to go for a try as well, but I'm going for old Paul Williams' one because I think no, seeing nice. a guy that big at full tilt, and I kind of think that swung the game back to the Landers. I know it was only two minutes after, but if the Crusaders had kept the momentum up, it could have been a whole different story. Yeah, definitely. And, and then we have had... a favourite sort of memory from the match? Or just. Just scoring a try, I think. <laughs> Just scoring a try for Dan, I think, would be uh, would be your favourite moment. Would you Would you say? Me, oh. Oh, not scoring a try, but setting up a try. Yeah, no, that was pretty much mine. Um, it was pretty pretty basic. Um, we were just pretty pumped. So I think just the fact that um, we kept them at bay for so long, we had some really good defensive periods too. Because as I say, they came back quite late in the game. Yeah, I mean, so Boise in particular good. was. Yeah, Boise was good. machine. Uh, he just tackled and gets his feet the whole time. Yeah, he was nice. He was under so underrated, eh? Like, great. Just a champion compared to... He's always perceived to be quite small, but he packed a hell of a punch. So, um, yeah, that was that was good. Always remember that, the holding on and, and holding them out. So, happy to have set up the try and gave us a good sort of buffer. Yeah, should move on to the dick of the day next and we'll finish up the mana match. Yeah, sure. So, have you got your dick of the day there, Toby? I don't really have one, to be honest. I mean, we're lucky this time that there's no Australian commentary, so I can't choose them. But um, I think it was – there wasn't really that many moments. The ref, I mean, probably for me, when he when he just gave that penalty kick, even though he just you know said it was a free kick, that was kind of funny. I mean, but Arguably, um, just whoever decided to bring the law in of free kicks yeah, all the time. That's, I reckon that's got to be it, eh? It's got to be. That well, there weird. was one other moment I had, which I didn't mention, happened right near the end of the match, so you probably didn't see it, but uh, – Paulo, the reserve hooker for the Crusaders, yeah, he well, came on. He decided to take a quick attempt at a twenty-two dropout. So which reserve hooker tries that, and he kicked <laughs> it, and it didn't go over the line. So that's all right. Yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So yeah, that's my deck of the day. Anyone that tries a twenty-two and doesn't manage to make it over the twenty-two is something special. <laughs> uh, nice. We can round out with our man of the match if you like, or I can start. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's a couple of, of uh, candidates, obviously. Yourself, Dan, that's certainly a candidate. Absolutely no doubt. Running game was really good all, all game. There's a couple of great fours. Like you said, Tim Boys was pretty, go- uh, pretty good as well. A couple of the Crusaders were pretty pretty nice. Kate Pokey was pretty pretty good. Yeah, he had um, him down as my best. Definitely the best I'm actually going to go for um, Toby Morland. I think he was fantastic. Fair shout, actually. He was... Quietly class. Yeah. Who are you going for? Um, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of the names already. Just about, I mean, Adam Thompson ran it very close to me. I thought he was very good. I thought David Hall and Hayden Triggs were quite good as well, especially Triggs. Yep. I forgot he was kind of good with ball in hand. But I hate to be a suck-up. I was actually going to give man of the match to you, Dan. <laughs> I thought you just kind of looked quite slippery every time you ran the ball. Yeah, well, I was just yeah. trying to run a lot in that game. As I say, playing a game at that level with like not being able to kick is a bit of a unique scenario, um, carrying a bit of a niggle. But we managed to get through it, and I was just disguised it by running basically everything. No, oh, I mean, it worked. You got the W, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I mean, that kind of runs out the game segment, but if you don't mind, we have a couple of questions from a few audience members, a few uh, PC ones, and a few not-so-PC ones from some of your mates, as I'm sure you already know. <laughs> no worries. So, I mean, if, if we start out with some relatively normal ones, he's into it, Tabby. Yeah, I mean, I've got my own one, actually, before we start into these fan questions, I guess. Um, I did just want to ask, obviously, we've talked about a lot of the rugby, but now you, we know that you're... Uh, you're working for Auckland Rugby as as their talent identification one and part of their talent identification team. Is that right? Yeah, mate. I I head up um, sort of talent ID and recruitment. So I've sort of done that for the last sort of four years. I've got a dual role alongside that. I have coached Auckland in the NPC sort of for the last oh, wee while. I started 2018 as like a skills coach. 2018, 2019, sort of been doing um, a full time attack for the last sort of two years, two and a bit years. Um, which is good. So having a dual role keeps me busy. TID and recruitment, um, it's a very misunderstood, I suppose, portfolio, but it generates a heck of a lot of interest. You look at like other codes, like legal, NFL or whatever, and you think of the draft and trades and whatever. It's it's a really yeah. big industry. Rugby probably hasn't quite grasped that that size of it yet, but um, mate, the talent ID and, and then recruitment, whilst they go hand in hand, they're actually quite separate about who we ID and then yeah, the recruitment pieces again, contracting and recruitment and understanding that is far more complex than probably what most people realise. Oh, I bet it, I bet it is, yeah. yeah. And does, does Sky TV still uh, have you on their shows? I've yeah, definitely seen you on. I haven't on. done much in the last sort of um, calendar year because the games that I was rostered to do, commentary on, was basically clashed with our games. Yeah, um, right. So I try obviously not to, you can't commentate your own, um, but yeah. I try not to do too many that are like the same time or means that I'll be away from home for like, Two million yeah. days over the weekend. Otherwise, my family won't be too happy. <laughs> Fit. Right. Uh, we look into some of these. Uh, perhaps not. Quite I was going to say we'll start with some uh, PC ones, but right, to be honest, right. this is a not too many. Yeah, we'll start not with a relatively there. normal one from a former teammate of yours. I think you would have been there at the same time. Uh, Jake Paranatai from oh, Northam. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this isn't too bad. He just asked if uh, you and Ziggy Seymour had a father and son relationship. There's a couple of <laughs> Northland stalwarts in there. Oh, oh, that's ridiculous. No, no, that is not true. Um, but Jake, he was a very hard case person to play alongside. He was a king of rugby eight, actually. Oh. Sure, yeah, you busted good. that out in a few. Yeah, he did. No, but that that is a silly comment from Jake. And no, Ziggy was our coach one year. He wasn't a coach for very long, but um, no, I don't know why he's come up with that. Right, well, Toby, you can fire away one with one if you like. I've got a pretty a pretty easy one here. What from our resident Northland fan, super fan, I should say, Rick. He doesn't ever say his last name, does he, Ben? It's just Rick from Northland. Oh, I should find out his name. It's it's an Instagram handle. It doesn't say his last he, um, name. But good he's, old a Rick. Big, what a guy. he's a massive Northland fan, but he's asked you, uh, how much did you get involved with Northland? I wish you stayed longer, and you were a fantastic player for us. Oh, thank, thank you, Rick. Um, did he say how much did I get involved with Northland? Is that what he meant? Yeah, how much did you get involved with Northland? I don't know if that means this sort of off-field stuff or... I don't know what he meant by that. Um, just how did you enjoy your time there, I guess? I, mean, I loved it. Like, absolutely loved it. Honestly, um, there's a bloke running around that was playing for them. Very well known. I think he's featured on the page a few, but he's probably the biggest, like, apart from parents and family and blah, 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 all that. 
Um, the biggest influence on my rugby career in terms of like tech tech and learning and understanding the game was David Holwell. Yeah, I thought that was coming up. So I, I basically roomed with Dooley, as he's known, for basically three years. I roomed with him basically everywhere because wherever we played, um, Northland just had a thing where it was basically, you know, lots of teams rotate roomies. For Northland, we didn't. I literally just roomed with him for three years and um, became a great mate and just picked his brain about rugby and he was very analytical and yeah so I really enjoyed Northland if I'm honest I really enjoyed it. I spent three years there um, learned a hell of a lot it was a huge step coming out of school and then into a pro program and some of the courties in that um, team were absolute like hell raisers some things I've never seen before in my life um, some of the like the little mannerisms and, and the community support. We used to get like this roast given to us on like a Friday after captain's run that this lady would just come and deliver a roast off her own bat. Like enough for like 30 players, if you know what I mean. Like stuff like that. Um, playing alongside Dooley, Gus Collins, a um, bit of a legend, and Hayden Taylor. They were just monumental and sort of helping me and footy. They were incredible blokes. Unreal. You kind of touched on a question that I had down here, so I'll move on to that one. You mentioned a few of your mentors. Did you have any other coaches or players you kind of looked up to? Um, I looked up to, geez, mate, like, because I played around so much, I suppose there's a lot. Like, obviously, running alongside Carter, like, that's pretty hard not to look up. It was a bit weird being, like, a fan and playing outside of at the same time. Um, that was unique, but I think that was the case for all of us who were young at the time, running around. We were just excited to go home and tell our family that we played alongside Dan Carter. Um, obviously just his workload and, and, and his, the effort that he'd put into training and preparation was probably something I'd never seen before um, travelled all over the world I guess so other people um, who did I learn the most I actually managed to lots, very cliche and lots of people will say it but Wayne Smith generally was like the professor he'd ring me up and just explain parts about my game that I didn't even know and he'd just ring me and explain in like the 56th minute you did this and I'd be like did I? You know, so that was pretty unique. Um, I got coached by Mike Cat. Remember Mike Cat? He oh, came the England. Jonah, yeah. But he's got much more to him than that. He played for the Lions, played like seven against England, currently coaches Ireland. And I actually had a yarn to him just before they played the All Blacks. And without sounding really condescending, I sort of knew the All Blacks were going to win against the All Blacks because they had just analysed them and found some significant weaknesses. So... Yeah, look, they I just played them off the park that game. Yeah, and, and I mean, he, he was very articulate with the game plan. He runs their attack about what they try to do. And so, oh, mate, off the top of my head, other people, there's just so many good players to play alongside. But I learned, I learned a lot from Toby Flood. Um, he actually played a lot for England. Really unique, different way to look at the game. We were really strong competitors. We probably weren't the best of mates or anything, but he's very good. And. He's very good, again, at um, spending time. He spent a lot of time with Johnny Wilkinson, so that work ethic rubbed off on him. I learned just a lot of training things from him. Coaching-wise, oh, it's probably too many, mate, to be honest. There's a lot of name drops in there already. Yeah, I know. Massive players. Yeah, no, that's yeah. unreal to hear <laughs> how many world-class talents you've played with or yeah. against. Excellent. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll jump in with a question. Another, probably my last uh, non- <laughs> yeah, just yeah my, I think it's the last n- probably a uh, relatively normal, normal one, unfortunately. <laughs> Matt Bird has asked, uh, best thing about London Irish and Premiership in general? Um, oh, that's a great club. Real, like, family-based, value-based club. Um, I really enjoyed it, mate. We played some awesome games. We had an unreal lineup, just 
and we'd always sneak into the top six to make Heineken Cup, but we probably just didn't have like enough firepower to really challenge the top four. We'd always come sixth, so that's a great result in the Premiership because it's yep. a very, very high competition. Yeah. Uh, London Irish, what did I enjoy the most? Um, the people, fans were probably the best, actually. Fans were amazing, really friendly. Like, they'd wait outside for hours after games just to get, like, signatures. And We played at a stadium all the way in Reading, so it was, like, 45 minutes away from, realistically, where the fan base was, and they still travelled all the way out there. I do remember Unreal. my first game for London Irish. I ended up becoming the club captain. We 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 played like what was called the London double hitter. So I'd finished playing for the Crusaders. We come across and played like over in London, obviously. And they play we played Saracens in front of eighty thousand. Like that's incredible. Wow. Like yeah, just playing it's... club games like that. There's one just recently called the Big Game where Harlequins played Northampton. I think it might have been this again, like eighty thousand sellouts. Like we did it a couple of times for Irish and that was awesome. But the one thing I reckon is probably the fans and just some of the connections of the players we had were were pretty cool. Unreal. Great, great memories of your time over there. Yeah, do I yeah. do actually. Very good. You can go uh, a bit quick fire on these last few if you like, because I can't imagine you want to go into detail too many of them. We'll start with, I believe he's your work mate, James Stevenson, right? Yeah, look, um, he basically won a competition so that he could turn up and, and sort of, he was like a work experience type kid and then somehow something's happened and he's still there. So oh, geez, sure. he, I think he just filled out like a raffle and he's ended up still there. Jeez, <laughs> you'll be wanting to get rid of him after him what he's I, saying about you on here. I mate. am trying to get rid of him, but HR is a tough process. I'll, I'll fire away because he's seen in a four things actually, and you oh, can give us your comments at the end of all of them. <laughs> um, first one, what's it like living in Dan Kirkpatrick's shadow? <laughs> so, yep. Uh, right, number two, uh, how many games have you played for Morocco? He's wanting to know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last couple kind of go hand in hand. He wants to know how much the tanning bed costs to run and uh, your favorite Bondi Sands product. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him this. He's got a good sense of humour for someone that has got a very low IQ. Um, so I don't have a reply to any of those. Thank you, James. <laughs> All right, Toby, I'm sure you got some equally as fantastic questions yeah, coming got, in. I've got some funny ones here. I've got Lockie Munro, obviously. We had him on the pod <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. He's put a funny one through. Did you prefer Seventh Storm the first or the second time around? <laughs> uh, the second time I only went like once a week, so he knows that that was much more preferable. The, the year 14, the year 14 yeah, classic. Yeah. Yeah, much more preferable. I only yeah, stayed like six months of the year, so it worked out really well. <laughs> Good. Um, Joseph Tuitavaki, he's oh, wanting to know uh, who your favourite colleague is and why is it Brent Ward? <laughs> Uh, I work with the one and only Brent Ward, um, also known as Homer Simpson. He looks a lot like Homer Simpson these days. Um, so, yeah, he, he runs our actual high performance academy. He's a champion human, Ward. He spends 97% of his time looking at either Manukau greyhounds or the Harwater trots on grass. So, I don't know how he gets any work done, but um, he, he inspires people not to be like him. So, that's a good example. Love it. <laughs> All right, I've got one from uh, from Blair Stewart here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just tell by the names, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. gotta be. By the names, yeah. yeah. Is it true you're a dual international, New Zealand age group rugby and Indian cricket? <laughs> uh, no, that is not true, Blair. Um, <laughs> Oh, do, you guys remember, do you remember Blair when he was playing for the Mighty Stags? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Stags legend. He was a hard case. Uh, uh, a very entertaining young man. Where? 
Oh, all right. Too. I'd hate. I'd love to say it's going to get better, but it's not really. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stafford. Oh, of course, oh, uh, yes. big up in the TAB realm. Yes, he's, yes, he's also interested in your appearance. He wants to know when you started dying your hair. <laughs> oh, very young, to be fair. I persisted with like, these, these blonde mohawks for a while. I reckon that's come back to sort of bite me. So now I've got this big grey streak. I look like uh, Romeo out of PJ Masks, this little kid's program. That <laughs> oh, yeah, I know all about that one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, probably a bit young, to be fair. And I reckon it's caused me... All this grief. I don't die anymore, Steph. So thanks for that. <laughs> uh, I've got um, I've got one here from Sam Hainsworth for RFL. <laughs> That's little punk. What does he want? <laughs> Time at Soundsplash? Question mark. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. So basically, you would have known that there was obviously that stuff outbreak from Soundsplash, which was like a kids' music festival. Yeah. And we've got a whole bunch of sort of young blokes in our NPC Water Group Academy group, and we we're just making sure they didn't go and, you know, spend any time there. Uh, because it was obviously for like school leavers, you know, and these kids are on my team. We're just trying to say, you know, go and spend time with your own age group. So he somehow put that in reverse and turned it on me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, the, uh, um, another one here. Oh, again from your time in England. That's from Javai uh, Paul. Hey, I going to say. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I'm sure you know all about him. He's asking. Surely you got bored of talking to all the young fellas at Leicester about how much coin you're on. <laughs> I mean, oh, flesh and dollar bills around the place. No, right? no, that certainly isn't the case. That isn't the case. Um, he's actually a very good player. I think he's still playing, running around. Um, bit of a unit. He was a midfield back. Uh, he's actually a Kiwi bloke been in England for a long time. But that's not true. I think all I did was buy him lunch. Maybe that's where he got that from. I was basically paying his food bill, which is very, very significant for the week. Oh, I can imagine he's a, he's a big lad in the midfield. He's a big unit, he's, yeah. Uh, I think there's only oh. one more question left. I think Toby's got it. Yeah, so I've got a lot of Pleased to hear that. we got one from Jack Kovacs here. Uh, <laughs> Thoughts on RNV fanny pack? <laughs> Are you wearing like, a fanny pack and what have you got? No, that's nothing to me. See, this is what happens. Everyone's using my material back at me, you know? This is the problem. <laughs> so Jack is a young man who's actually at the Canes. He's an S&C um, bloke there, and I think he's just joined up with one of the schools. And he first rocked into one of our Blues programs, and um, I honestly wondered what was going on. We've got this kid straight with like a string mesh vest and a fanny pack from RMV. I said, how are you going to be S&C trainer? You look like you're distributing more pills than like a chemist. And um, I'm not sure how he survived in the game, but he's got a great sense of humour. Oh, love it. Love it. Some that highly uh, quality questions to end on there. They are. They are. Very articulate young men, these people. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's all I've got for the uh, for the questions. But yeah, I quite enjoyed those answers. Well, questions. questions <laughs> I mean, you're definitely some else. interesting stories to come out of this episode. <laughs> right, no, cheers for jumping on with us. I mean, no, no stress, gentlemen. Um, massive fan of the page, actually. I always um, always go and see some of the questions and see, you know, if I can answer any of the stuff that comes up. I mean, yeah, I have to get a yeah. few teammates of yours to feature on there. I reckon. Yeah, there's a few that'll be around actually. There's a few hand grenades you want to steer clear of. Um, I, I, I get you to hide away from those, but there's some good some good people who've got some better memories than me. Um, they'll be able to give you a hell of a lot more around the games too. Oh, mate, the, the questions at the end are almost my highlight. <laughs> yeah, potentially um, there'd be some pretty good questions if you asked some certain individuals, I reckon. 
sure we can uh, float around and find out some who some of those are. <laughs> Next time you put one of the who it's going to be, I would I will come up with at least a dozen questions. Sounds great, mate. Anyone yeah. you want to fire in the firing line, just chuck it this way. Yeah, uh, we'll make sure to stitch them up as possible. As possible. <laughs> oh, you've had quite a few. This how many podcasts have been now? Like twelve, is it? Twelve yeah, about yeah. that. We've only had uh, you and Lockie on as guests so far. Yes, yeah. I'm trying so, to think yeah. who else. Um, mate, there's honestly that many people. There'll be some some boys from down Southland, down at Otago. Be some good yarns. A couple yeah. of Northland boys will be some good boys. Uh, I'm trying to think who's not too busy at the moment. If you get your hands on Rennie Ranger, he'd tell you some good stories. Oh, imagine the answer. Yeah. Jeez. He's had, he's had, I remember a, a quick one-minute story. I'd never seen him before. I turned up to play this, for Northland. We had to play, obviously, club rugby in Northland. So I played for Ponsonby in Auckland, but the closest club was Wellsford. So they basically were like, oh, you can play for Wellsford. It's closest to home. So I rock up, up on the, on this uh, Thursday training. was low-key. Um, honestly, low key, they would have been lucky if there's 15 players to train, and we spent a bit of time running a bit of like an empty team run, blah blah, cool. And then I go, it was Thursday night, and I went, I was like driving out, and I see Rangers got like um, uh, two bottles of like massive lion red bottles, like chopping the back, <laughs> like literally post training. I was like, holy heck, I'd never yeah, seen the kid, never heard of him, anything like what's going on here. Anyway, it comes to the Saturday game. Um, he is playing and absolutely destroying people. And I'm like, like, holy moly, who is this kid? Running <laughs> around with like socks down, shoelaces untied, like scruffy, just looked like an absolute hoodlum, but just running through people, bumping them off, doing everything you can imagine, running back from behind, covering tackles and saving tries and manhandling people. And we get into the change room and it's half time. And the coach is, like, giving this team talk. And Ranger's up behind the coach having a dart in his mouth. <laughs> and he just, like, basically, like, mimicking what the coach is doing with a dart. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Just like a it's weekend like, in a primary school class. Eh? Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. But what a rugby player. And probably, yeah. like, for a certain period, he was ridiculously good. And then, obviously, injuries caught up and whatnot. But a couple of years for the Blues and that. And if you go back and Google and chuck, Look on his YouTube. Oh, his highlights are real. Oh, something man, the yeah. freak. I remember playing for Northland with him. At, at times, we would just like give him the ball and he'll do something. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but it's cool. a great story. i never forget it. Like, just on the darts, on the beers. And he's like, I made it 18, maybe even 17. I don't know. <laughs> but what funny. an introduction, eh? To like literally like a phenomenal <laughs> rugby player. <laughs> just another one of those players that just off the field how he is on the field just does what he likes yeah and then he's <laughs> really it. matured a lot now to be honest I mean he's a bloody good rugby player he's a really good leader um, does a really good job for Northland but shit he's had some trials and tribulations oh absolutely a lot of ups and downs in his career but... yeah he has, yeah yes. wonderful person though oh what a great note to end it on there uh, we'll round it out there hopefully in the next week or two we should be doing a super rugby draft episode so we'll get a few mates on for that one if you're keen to come along and listen to that if not, uh, feel free. But cheers, Dan, for jumping on. No, no stress, we'll boys. Take catch it easy. you in the future. Thanks for having me. Take it easy.